And now, it's time for the Shake and Blake Show live on Wildcat 91.9. I love it. Say it one more time. Shake and Blake! Does that feel good? Yeah. It rhymes. They're both verbs. Awesome. Blake Crawford. It's not very often that you have a National Player of the Year candidate wearing the purple and white. John Grove. It just felt like he could do nothing wrong with the ball in his hands. Bring you all things K-State sports and even more. And it's shaking big time. Welcome, everybody, to the Shake and Blake Show live on Wildcat 91.9. My name is Blake Crawford alongside John Grove, as always. How's it going, John? Not bad, not bad. Just ready to get this show going because afterwards we got a few tests to take. Oh, you got some tests? Oh, we got to make it real quick. No, I'm just just under the hour, just so... Just the hour limit. That works for me, but enough about the test. I'm just ready to talk about sports, Blake. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Uh, I actually, I've had a really good week, actually. I finally found a summer internship to do for the summer, so I can actually graduate. I'm really excited. You might, you might have to tell the viewers what it is. Well, I mean, I don't know if I should say because it's like, you know, we got paperwork to sign and stuff. Okay, but okay, foreshad- it's going to be foreshadowing, shadowing then. Yeah, maybe we'll hear about it. Actually, probably not on uh, our next episode. But it's uh, I'll be the VIDI director for a baseball team in Michigan. Ooh. So it's for this team in the Northwoods League. If you look at the Northwoods League, they got a bunch of famous people who've played there. Okay. But anyway, I'm really excited about that. I had a really great interview with their general manager. It was, I think it was, it's going to be a really good fit. So. That's great to hear. Yeah. So uh, anyway, enough about us. Let's get into a few announcements before we get into what happened this week in K-State sports. First of all, today was President Richard Meyer's last day as president at K-State. So, I mean, let's go ahead and cr- congratulate him on a great, on a great tenure. This Monday, which is Valentine's Day, Dr. Richard Linton is going to be uh, inaugurated, I'm pretty sure. And then uh, how about we give a huge shout-out to John's dad, who's going to coach evaluate the U.S. Women's National Team Open Trouts in Colorado Springs in a couple weeks. I believe for the 27th time he's been doing that. 27th? I think so. I I could be wrong. He's traveled every time on I-70 West, the most boring travel, yeah, most boring trip possible through eastern Colorado. Uh, but great opportunity for the girls to get things going again. Uh, amazing father, amazing coach. <laughs> I mean, he's a mastermind at making cookies too. Not but, even just like the like homemade. I'm uh, guessing homemade sugar cookies. Wow, really? Wow. Is there, there a secret ingredient? Um, yeah, there is, but I'm not telling you. Uh, is it love? <laughs> I wish, but no. No, it's something more tangible than that. We take we take things a little bit more personal in the Grove family when it comes <laughs> to a secret ingredients. Okay. You know what? I, I totally I totally respect that. Well, before we get started, uh, make sure you check out the Shake and Blake show wherever you get your podcasts. It's just Shake, uh, the letter N, apostrophe Blake. Uh, be sure to take our K-State sports trivia quizzes at sporkle.com. That's sporkle.com. And then just search K-State trivia round one or two. Uh, you can let us know how you did on social media. Our links to our personal ones will be in the description of this episode if you're listening uh, on Spotify or anywhere else. Alongside our new Shake and Blake Twitter account that we just made recently, the handle is at Shake and Blake 312. Mm-hmm. Sadly, Shake and Blake itself was uh, taken. So when we get famous, John, we'll have to pay that guy like a hundred, whoever it is, a hundred bucks or something to uh, get the to get the full name. Oh, we already are. We just money. <laughs> yeah, we just don't quite have the money yet. And then uh, yeah, make sure you listen to our online only episode. We're probably going to do it Monday night or Tuesday just to make sure we can get that West Virginia game in, so we can talk about three games in total. And then uh, next week we're going to have Friday off. I'll be in Colorado 
probably falling because I'll be going skiing. So, but uh, we'll be back the next week, the 25th, and we'll have a special guest, the Aggieville Alley Cats, on the show. So, if you don't know, they're at K State Sports Podcast. They've been doing it for a while. Um, so, yeah, I think that'll be a lot of fun. We'll do some trivia probably. I think going to trivia once a month would probably be a good thing. That so, works. we could do it then on the 25th. So, I mean, I think we got all the housework out of the way. Uh, let's go ahead and get into the uh, men's basketball game versus Baylor. They fall 75 60. I wish I could be the bearer of good news, but I'm sadly not. Lost 75 to 60. Baylor coming into the game, they didn't have their leading scorer, LJ Cryer. Um, and then I guess the next thing I have written down is the announcer, the play-by-play guy. Sounds He sounded exactly like Ian Eagle. If you watch the highlights of the Baylor game and heard him, they're, the announcer they had for that game, I don't remember who it was, it but he sounds exactly of, he, like Ian Eagle. He kind of does sound like sound like that when I was kind of looking back at the highlights. Yeah. I, was, I was there for the game, so yeah. I kind of got a brief synopsis of what was going on. I didn't really need to look at the highlights compared to a women's basketball game, but uh, when, well, the whole entire game could of a men's game compared to a women's game. But, I mean, no, nobody was, besides Nigel Peck, of course. We'll get to that him in a second. But yeah. uh, just not a lot of support. I mean, nobody else really got anything going. K-State's two, Peck and Smith weren't going to be a match for Baylor's five or six or seven or eight players in general. They, they were just all over K-State. I mean, I just have three or four things to hit on. I mean, you know, you mentioned it. 31 from Nigel Pack, two 30-point games this year, 0-2. I mean, yeah, th- 10 of 19, 4 of 9 from 3 was really efficient from the field. Mark Smith with a 17-8, and 8, 7 of 13 was super efficient. The next closest in points is Luke Kasuki with 4, who made two breakaway layups. I mean, Pack and Smith combined for 48 of our 60 points. They were 17 yeah. of 32. 53%. The rest of the team, 4 of 22, 18%. I mean, Baylor dominated pretty much every single category. I mean, one thing I'll point out before we get back to you, John, just, I mean, 40 points in the paint for Baylor compared to 24. 38 bench points, thanks to 21 from Jonathan Chamachachua, who went 9 of 10. He even made a 3 just to show off. Was, I mean, that was kind of brutal. I mean, to be fair, they had nothing to lose, but man. <laughs> that is true. Jonathan Chamwa Chachua is so aggressive. He's the type of guy that just, well, when he's able to turn up, especially uh, when he's swinging elbows and boxing out, nobody wants to compete with him inside the paint. And with the guys that we had, that's pretty much been shaken out throughout the season. Uh, you put them up against Chamwa Chachua, it's just not going to go well. He had a career high 21 points uh, uh, on Wednesday night. It was just a... It was just it just kind of looked like as as if he was committing a war crime, uh, <laughs> just com- just looking at it uh, from it from my perspective. I mean, it was crazy just being at the game. We were both there just to see the size difference that Baylor had over, um, you know, pretty much every single one of our guys. I mean, John, seeing Chamba Chachua in person, he is just a, like a di- I don't know how he's even a human being. He's just like a different dude. And even their guards, you know, like uh, what Jeremy Sochan, Kendall Brown. They just have a ton of size that they can put on guys like Nigel Pack and Marquise Noel that just make it really hard. You mentioned, you know, the energy that both um, Thamba and uh, Chamwa Chachua bring. We got, I mean, the thing that really sucks is in the first half, we both got him to two fouls. We both got him two fouls in the first half, but we couldn't really capitalize in the second half. I mean, if you miss the game, um, you know, we started off the game kind of slow with two live ball turnovers. We get out to an early lead. Um, we led by as many as seven in the first half. Mark Smith has an absolutely amazing stretch where he, I think, back-to-back-to-back to back to back times, he's able to drive to the rim and finish. But, I mean, 
and then you know one thing to um, hit on real quick before you know in the at the end of the first half we had a foul to give so we decide to uh, foul you know somebody with three seconds left and uh, Bruce Weber said in the huddle they were like who has no fouls and they thought it was Mike McGurl, but he actually had a foul. He picks up his second foul, then like 15 seconds left, in the, or 15 seconds into the second half, excuse me, he picks up his third almost immediately, is forced to come out, and then the foul trouble chain kind of starts coming in, and it just makes it really tough. Yeah, I mean, you, you mentioned I was actually going to point up the whole Mike McGurl situation with the coaching blunder and all. I mean, uh, shoot, no, well, I mean, Let's get to let's get to kind of both McGurl and Noel because they were both having off nights. Uh, I'll start with Noel. He's had a great season. He's second in Big Twelve assistance, but uh, his shot wasn't there. And uh, uh, last night he went zero for six on the floor, committed three turnovers. He's a competitor. K State really needs him uh, to channel whatever frustration he feels uh, after this one uh, into solid performances for the rest of the way. Uh, I, I think at one time his decision to drive at the basket immediately after picking up his third foul was highly questionable. It really led to a game-changing charge that sent him back to, to the bench until Baylor had had clinched the game. I mean, it just it just showed that, like, I don't know, it, the offensive performance that, that McGurl and Noel had, it just, it just seemed extremely, extremely limited. Uh, you you mentioned... I, I'm sorry. No, you're fine. <laughs> you're totally fine. My, my girl didn't contribute to the team a whole lot as well when he had two fouls in the first half. He was quickly whistled for a third uh, for a third in the second half. He was just limited to three points. I don't know if it's just a coaching problem that K-State's constantly had, but it just seems like K-State can't capitalize offensively when the Wildcats continue to drive inside. I mean, it's just not really contributing. Not current. <laughs> no, it's all good. Uh, you got your mind on those tests. <laughs> I do have my mind on those tests. Uh, but that's pretty much my my perspective on my girl and uh, uh, yeah, no, well, I mean, it's just it's just kind of just the the story of this entire season, you know. Like we have you know great production from a couple guys. It's usually been Nigel Pack and Mark Smith, but we just can't get that cherry on top from one or two other guys. And when we do get those that scoring from those other guys it usually results in a w well here's one thing k-state is two and four when nigel pack scores 20 plus points <laughs> i mean this isn't a matter of him putting up points this is a matter of him trying to put trying to share the basketball and getting the other guys involved and it's just not been working i mean that just makes it more frustrating because he recognizes that getting the other guys involved will make them better uh and let alone him since it's he has more availability to open up for more opportunities uh, instead of just constantly forcing up shots when nobody can. Yeah, I mean, in the second half when we – I mean, we, we, we came into halftime tied at 34, which was – I don't know. It, it was kind of a bad omen for me, given that we kind of were keeping like a five-point lead for the most part. It would have been really nice to go into halftime with a lead, but we come out in the second half super-duper flat, really, really flat. We mentioned McGurl picking up the third foul. I mean, I think by like 14 minutes or something, it was super fast. We're already having Baylor in the bonus. I think there were 11 fouls in like the first yeah. few minutes, and I didn't think any of them were really – like you know, Big Twelve ref equals bad. I thought some. I thought they were all pretty like fairly called, but I mean, you know, I we're down what I think we're down twelve with twelve minutes left, and at this point, I think 
I'm sure I'm not the only one that stands to think it's like, we're just going to bleed out this game. We're probably going to lose by 20. But I think we really, I mean, I was kind of impressed with how we put up a fight in the second half. Nigel Back was trying to carry this team. I mean, he's pouring his heart and soul to keep this team in the game. I think we got it to within six. Um, we made an interesting choice to go super-duper small with Luke Kasuki at the five, which we didn't really have a choice given some of our foul trouble. But, I mean, I, I was I was happy with our effort. I think Baylor just played extremely well in the second half. They shot it well. They drove the ball. They hit some tough shots. I mean, you look, you look at some of the teams across the country and you look at some of these matchups that just don't favor you in general, and you kind of know what, what you're going to get when you play them, and that's – that's just what Baylor is with K-State. They're going to have more length. Uh, they're going to have the bigger guys on the court. I mean, they're going to just be ready to to ball out uh, right there. And K-State, compared to the last few times they've played them, they, they put up a, a much better performance, especially compared to the ones uh, – especially compared to last time in Waco for sure. Oh, yeah, uh, and, and last year, last obviously. Year, yeah. <laughs> Don't – Oh my uh, well, Kansas City. Well, in Kansas the City, the Big Twelve tournament was that was good, pretty good one. But yeah, n- nonetheless, I mean, it just I think Baylor just kind of got to them. I mean, the tight uh, the screens were really tight. It was just really difficult for K State to to cover up at times. It, I I don't know. I think Baylor. I think just overall Baylor was a better team. But that's all I got to say. They just had more of the key playmakers on offense, uh, and they they've just really been. They they were just massive in the paint as well. Yeah, they really were. Not to mention, I mean, again, they didn't have their leading scorer, LJ Cryer, who was almost 14 points for them. They still had three and double figures. They had 38 points off the bench. I mean, 21 of those coming from Chamba Chachua. You have James Akinjo, who really hit some uh, clutch shots for them with a, you know, 15 points, eight assists, and uh, three steals as well. Something else to mention as well. 14 blocks and steals combined for Baylor compared to only eight for K-State. And, I mean, it was just, I mean, generally just not a great game for us. Only eight assists on our made baskets. So, I mean, it's really representative of, you know, kind of iso ball with Smith and Pack. Well, I think at this point when you're talking about driving into the paint, limiting the assists, I think that just kind of comes to show that the, the lack of trust is kind of showing at this point with Based on how the players such as Noel and McGurl are on and off at times, and we've seen what's been happening in the paint. I mean, it's just not been just not been good times for any of the K State guys inside the paint. KZZ Ugu, I don't know. He just doesn't. He just doesn't look like he belongs on the court against Big Twelve competition. He does not have what it takes to go up against any of the big men in the conference. For Carlton Lingard, he, he has not been rotated enough. Yes, he played ten minutes uh, in the in the first half, but it's in four the four minute segments. I mean, you got to rotate him a little bit more with two to three minutes with Lingard in a handful of positions because while he may not be the most reliable player defensively, he certainly looks to have the best hands on the team when it comes to the fifth spot. Yeah, I mean, it's looking like, I think talent-wise, Lingard's the guy you got to go with. But let's go ahead. Um, we can kind of flesh this conversation out because this is definitely worth talking about. Let's go ahead and hear uh, from Bruce Weber about what he needs from Casey Diego, and then he talks a little bit about the rest of the bigs as well. Their length and athleticism. You know, we've been able to survive. Uh, I played the wrong clip. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, that was the, you know what? That's not bad that that was the first time that that's happened on the show. So maybe we'll get to that clip later, but here's – here is Bruce Weber there we go. on KC Diego. Uh, just more activity. You know, obviously, Chachua, Tamba. Tamba's not as talented as Chachua, but he, he's active and he plays hard. And you got, you know, Casey's got, you got to play hard. 
I, I thought Davion gave us gave us a little feeling of last year. You know, he blocked a shot, had some energy, but uh, you know, I the one thing he kept doing, our coaches kept telling him, he would go. They come on the ball screen, the guard would shoot it, and he'd contest it. Now he could never get back and help with the rebound. You know, the guards there, they can contest to get back and rebound. But, um, you know, slowly but surely, I, I, you know, hopefully we get Davion to give us a little more. Uh, Carlton, I thought, was okay in the first half. Second half, a little bit. When they made the run, he just didn't have the moxie to, you know, to stand up against those guys. Yeah, just a reminder, you're listening to the Shake and Blake Show live on Wildcat 91.9. We're talking about the uh, men's basketball's loss versus Baylor. And we're about to go into kind of like the big, big – debacle with yeah. uh, some of our, the K-State bigs that we really have because we've really dipped into the well. I mean, we didn't think Carlton Lingard would probably get a ton of time given the injury, and he didn't really have time pr- to practice with the team all summer. And he's really been forced to play. I mean, I think when you put him in one-on-ones in the post against a guy like Chamba Chachua, he, he got smoked pretty much the entire time. His footwork just wasn't quite there, which is, you know, honestly kind of what you expect. But I think he's just, I mean, he's got the length, he's got the athleticism, and I think he's going forward probably the guy we have to roll with until we see more out of Davion Bradford and Casey Ziegu. It's just all about giving him the reps uh, day in and day out uh, if you're a coaching staff because we've seen this on and on with the likes of Davion Bradford and Casey Ziegu. I mean, they, they'll give you some good glimpse here and there, but but most for the most, uh, most of a part, uh, of the entire game, it's just they've they've not had as much ball control as what as what many people want. I mean, they're not getting into the paint as much as many people wanted. They're getting out rebounded badly. Uh, I think I think all three of them combined for for four rebounds yesterday, which is only like one more than Nigel Pack had with three rebounds. So it's just. I could go on and on about this, but I think we kind of made it clear. It's just something. It's just not. It's just not kind of get finding the rhythm that we've been trying to see throughout the whole season. And it's not like we need them to be, you know, fifteen point scores or anything. You know, we just need them to when we play a team that we can, you know, put a check mark in our direction exactly. on the physicality box. And I don't think we ever can really with any team that we play in the Big Twelve. Just because it just feels like we're you know we're relying on Marquise Noel and Mark Smith to crash the glass, and I think teams know that we suck at rebounding, and they're really crashing the offensive glass. They're not respecting our transition offense or anything because they know they they can get the rebound, especially with Baylor, that a team that really kind of counters K State personnel wise. It just makes I mean it makes it even more difficult. And I mean I I can't tell you the last time we've won the rebounding battle. Did we win against TCU? I think we still lost the rebounding battle against TCU. Yeah, we, we tied. We we uh we lost uh the closest we've been. We tied with Oklahoma year. State. Oh I know. no, we we got out rebounded once by Oklahoma State, but nonetheless, yeah. it was a better rebounding performance. But yeah, I mean the, the the rebounding performances are just driving you crazy. I mean, you have Mark Smith who leads the league in rebounding, but you don't have enough support in which if you have Mark Smith. Outside of a outside of a paint, I mean, who else is going to be there to get the rebound? I, it just it just leaves me a lot of questions, and I think part about what Davion Bradford is he's too busy setting up a screen. He doesn't recognize what's happening inside. Uh, what's he's he's not recognizing like what's happening inside the paint. Therefore, he won't be able to get there, and I mean that just kind of gives up another rebounding opportunity. 
Yeah, I mean, we've said it a million times with Davion Radford, but he's had a tough season. You know, yeah. obviously, you know, Newton's law, an object at rest, tends to stay at rest, and it's tough to kind of deal, like, constantly break through that inertia of kind of getting back into basketball shape and getting, you know, back into the flow of the game. But it's it's just tough what we're going to do going forward, especially into next year. Are we going to go into the transfer portal to try and get a big or something? Well, is there a guy we can recruit? I mean. Well, I think, the, I think well, the first things first is, What's going to be the state? What's going to be the state of a program once when the season? Yeah, ends. that's a whole other conversation. I mean, that's that's just a whole another conversation we're going to have probably here eventually, whether it's like parts of tonight's show or I mean, we're 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 certainly going to be talking about it. Yeah, uh, throughout these next few weeks, uh, but I don't know. It's just well, it's just kind of having to be the waiting game, but it's just not looking like there's a whole lot of connection. With with the way Bradford has been playing compared to the way Bruce has been setting up these offensive schemes. Yeah, I mean, I was talking about it with my dad. It's kind of just like looking at our history with developing bigs. It doesn't merely feel like we've ever we've never had like a huge, a very dominant big man. I mean, you know, I mean yeah. I, Dean Wade, you know, but that's he, he's a different. He's not like a big. He's a stretch four with a jumper. I mean, you think of like McCall Mayween. What Thomas Gibson? I'm trying to think of the people well, like the mid 2010s. May, May Wing May Wing gave us some really good glimpses. Yeah. With that being said, he did he 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 developed really late. Yeah. I think he developed really late. I think you gotta probably date back to when Thomas Gibson was getting things going inside the paint. Yeah. I mean, I there's just been a lot of swing and misses when it comes to K State with the guys in the paint with. You already got Davion Bradford. You got Casey Ziegu. I mean, you already got got to go to the past with the likes of Levi Stockard, DJ Johnson, DJ Johnson. I mean, it's just it's just not really worked out in the way that K State fans wanted. Yeah, but even you know, even guys like that were still kind of like the grit and grind guys that you know you don't hear their name on the box score a lot, but they put a lot of work. They over they did their job and, rebounding. They kind of you know yeah hit in the background. Yeah, I mean. We wouldn't be talking about rebounding as as much with if we had the likes of Levi Stockard, yeah. DJ Johnson. I mean, it's because that's what players like Davion Bradford, Casey Izaegu, Carlton Legar are supposed to do. They're supposed to be the guys in the paint. They're supposed to they're supposed to guard inside the paint. They're supposed to out rebound players in the paint. But they just cannot show the athleticism, uh, the physicality. I mean, especially in Big 12 play where they've just been getting torched by some of these guys in the paint, such as Jonathan Chumwa Chachua, David McCormick out of KU. It's just been a rough go at it. Yeah, I mean, it, it really has. I mean, it's probably something we're going to keep talking about. I'm sure it's going to be a problem in the Iowa State game. It, it might be a problem in the West Virginia game. But how about we go ahead and take 30 seconds to hear from Tanners, and then we'll play a clip from the Bruce Weber conference that has been getting the attention of a lot of people. So we'll take 30 seconds here from Tanners and hear from Bruce Weber here live on the Shake and Blake Show, live on Wildcat 91.9. Our chapel today was, uh, the, the theme was about perseverance and that's what our team's got to do. Uh, I don't know if you know this Chinese bamboo tree, when it's planted, um, it doesn't grow for five years and it gets sunshine, water, nourishment, doesn't grow. But in that fifth year, it grows 80 feet, two feet, two feet and a day. So we're just going to be like that Chinese bamboo tree. Keep getting better, keep growing, and hopefully have a success at the end. 
We're back on the Shake and Blake Show live on Wildcat 91.9 with Blake Crawford and John Grove. You just heard Bruce Weber making a comparison from his basketball team to a Chinese bamboo tree that <laughs> it it takes a while of – you have to put a lot of attention to it and you may not see the progress you know, at the moment, but then all of a sudden in the fifth year, your super senior year, it just uh, explodes. I mean, it's just one of those, we're going to get better later, just not there yet. We're still learning and growing. I mean, he's right for, he's got he's got part of the analogy down, but I think it's just more of a swing and miss. I mean, you got to look at some of the players on this team, besides Nigel Pack, uh, I don't see any, any, any amounts of growth from the guys who's been with the program the last few years. I mean, I've seen some stagnation, stagnations from the players at times. Now, one thing's for sure, uh, I don't see the lineups working later in the future. I mean, d- does a small lineup work over the next couple of years? Uh, not when you're playing against these dominant Big 12 teams. I mean, it, this analogy from Coach, I mean, I, I don't know. I think ne- next time around, uh, if things go south, I mean, Bruce might have to utilize for, uh, Frank Sinatra's song, High Hopes. <laughs> I mean, maybe you should be his PR guy. Oh my John, we're gonna get it's gonna get taken down. No, I'm just kidding. This isn't YouTube. It isn't 13 seconds, so we don't have to pay a large thought, fine. Yeah, that's true. All right, well, we just shout him out. Yeah, just yeah, shout out Frank Sinatra. I don't think his stuff is in the public domain yet. Anyway, maybe. Anyway, we can go ahead and talk about uh, K State uh, traveling up to Hilton Coliseum to play Iowa State on Saturday. This is an Iowa State team who lost by Texas to 22 and just lost to West Virginia recently by 16. Uh, they're currently in last place in the Big 12 after starting uh, after starting off non-conference play 13 and 0 and coming into conference play for that. They've gone to three and seven. I believe. I mean, their freshman Tyrese Hunter still had a good game against West Virginia, scored 22 points. Isaiah Brockington is kind of their main guy to watch out for, averaging 16 and a half a game. I mean, Bruce mentioned it. It's always tough at the Hilton Coliseum. He's, he, I think he said in the post-game radio interview, it's like it doesn't matter if they lose every game, it's still going to be sold out, which could be a shot at K-State fans passive-aggressively. But anyway, uh, I mean, what do you think of this game, John, and do you think K-State can come out on top? Well, for Iowa State, they've been lacking a little bit. I think they've lost. I don't know. I don't know if I'm right about this. I think around like around the last three to four, you could probably look it up since you have a computer. It's, uh, I think it's three straight. They've lost three straight. Uh, yeah, three starting, straight. I mean, they started the year undefeated, but they started to become a lot more vulnerable during Big Twelve play. Uh, they in the first half against West Virginia, they had one of the most poorest uh, halves of a of a basketball team. Uh, against West Virginia this season. I mean, part of me thinks the Big 12 grind is getting to them, and part of me thinks the talent is just not fair. And the offense finally got production from someone other than Brockington, and they were down 11, and then the team just kind of fells off right after that. I mean, Brockington with – oh, wait, that was halftime stats. I'll I'll take a look at some of the (laughs) final stats here real quick. Uh. (laughs) <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm just looking at this. At this Iowa. <laughs> oh, you need. I, the, oh, I would have need... came a little bit more prepared, but it, here we go. Oh, okay, cool. No, you're good. It's just 
It doesn't look like there was a whole lot of contributors for Iowa State last night. They didn't have a whole lot of offensive cap- capitalizations on it. I think just part of it was was West Virginia just starting to get hot at the right time. But I yeah. think it was a must-win game for Bob Huggins. Uh, it is going to be a tough game. Brockington is going to be one of the guys you're going to have to try and close out because he's going to light light things up eventually. Caleb Grill as well. He'll get oh, yeah. things going for Iowa State. I mean, Mays High School? Uh, he might be from Mays, maybe. I think. I he's mean, from- all I've seen from from Iowa State fans is like, oh, get ready, he's going to grill things up. <laughs> We're going to have cat meat for dinner. Because we played him in 2020, right, when we played UNLV? I'm pretty sure we did. I'm pretty sure, yeah. I think he went to Mays. I think he dunked at a, at a, against my high school team. So. Yeah. So, I mean, those are, those are the two players I'd keep an eye on if yeah. I was K-State. But overall, I mean, you just got to kind of do what you did in TCU. Play a complete game. Um, don't get out rebounded by a far margin because it seems like we've seen that <laughs> yeah. with the team. You got to have more contributors as well. I mean, Mark Smith and Nigel Peck aren't going to be the, te- the guys that carried you to victory. One thing that I did notice from uh, after last night's game, uh, uh, let me see here. Uh, dang it, that was a woman's stats. Uh, Nigel Nigel Peck and Mark Smith have scored fifty two percent of the entire team's point totals in Big Twelve play and forty five percent. Holy of cow. the shots. I mean, you're going to have to have more contributors to win this game because it can't just be two on five, especially when you're playing at one of the toughest atmospheres in the country in Hilton Coliseum. It's going to be interesting, man. I, I, I don't know how this is going to go out. I think this is K-State's last glimpse of NCAA tournament aspirations. Yeah, I know. Coming into the Baylor game, um, Joe Lenardi had us as like the bottom team in the next four out. So we're probably out of there now. If you pick up a win against well, Iowa State, West Virginia, maybe you get back into the next four out. But you still got to get a couple big wins to you know get yourself in. Well, I wouldn't say the Baylor loss was too damaging in yeah. terms of NCAA tournament hopes. I mean, because it's it's Baylor. Yeah. I mean, very very now very like Kansas and Texas Tech where. Like, you lost, but okay, it's not going to damage your NCAA tournament hopes unless if you were, like, under 500 uh, all of a sudden. But Which may be possible for us. It's possible. <laughs> but, I mean, you look at these next few games at Iowa State. This is going to be the first time K-State plays them. You got West Virginia home. K-State, K-State needs to beat West Virginia at home. I mean, you, with the way West Virginia's performed over the last few times, uh, K-State's got to get a, get a win there. And then K-State's probably going to be anticipating a – a pissed off Oklahoma State team on Saturday. I mean, the, uh, just with the way it went last time, a lot of bad calls. K State got away with a with a few, and I don't know. I think Oklahoma State's Oklahoma State's going to be a little bit ready. So I mean, these these next three games are going to be the ones that tell the the la, the uh, season pretty much. Yeah, I mean, they really. How about this for a stat, John? I'm sure this is based on the entire season and not conference play. But we aver- actually average more rebounds per game than Iowa State. How about that? Well, uh, well, I mean, you can thank Mark Smith for that. I mean, yeah, pretty he, much. Yeah, single-handedly, Mark Smith. So I, I don't know. We'll we'll see what happens in terms of a rebounding margins. I, I'm not getting my hopes too high when it comes to our our guys in the paint out rebounding Iowa State. I think you're just going to have to get guys like Mike McGurl going. 
Uh, especially with with Sutton Miguel being out, I mean yeah. he's got to really he's really got to step up in order for K State to like even be competitive because that spot because without Sutton Miguel you're gonna have to depend on Luke Kazuki in which he's gonna give you a shot, but he's not gonna be your saving grace. Yeah, Mike McGurl has proven he can be the saving grace, but he has just not put out the overall best performances. Uh, that we've seen from years past. Yes, yeah. I mean so we talked about we talked about kind of the you know the problem with our bigs. I mean we didn't even mention Ishmael who's more of a stretch four, but man, I mean he just has really, really, really he, he's barely even gotten shots. He's basically just, just turned into a spot up shooter who gets like t- fifteen minutes off the bench. It's just starting to look more as if he's he's getting less time. He's getting less time on the court. It just doesn't look like he's showing as much consistency as we've seen back in, during non-conference play. I just feel like that's kind of been the same case with a lot of a uh, with a lot of the players uh, during conference play. I mean, just comparing them to non-conference play, it's just kind of been rough to see how how far they've fallen uh, in terms of that regards. Yeah, I mean, pretty much for the game. I mean, if my girl gets in double figures, we probably win. I mean, it's pretty simple probably. as that. Well, no, if you get if you get more than just Nigel Pack and Mark Smith, uh, if you get more than just those guys in double figures, yeah, because I think K State is undefeated when they have four or more players in double digits. I think six or seven and zero. Oh, okay. uh, I want to say yeah. on that. So this 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 is going to be a tough three game stretch. That K State's just going to have to dig deep. They're going to have to dig deep. That's all I can say about that. Yeah, I mean, they really are. Because if you're not going to get anything done in this game, three-game stretch, I mean, after that you're playing KU at Allen Fieldhouse. I mean, I don't even know why we play KU at Allen Fieldhouse. Is it even worth it? We might as well just practice. And then, you know, Iowa State at home at Tech, and then you play Oklahoma at home on senior night. There are some winnable games in there. You know, Iowa State at home, depends on how we play against Iowa State at Hilton Coliseum, but it should be a winnable game. West Virginia at home again at Oklahoma State. I mean, you know, it's on the road, so we'll see. But, I mean, you got the possibility maybe come out seven, eight wins in the conference, maybe mm-hmm. be a six seed, avoid the play-in tournament, and then, I don't know, maybe you'd win one or two games, you, you know, I mean, you're pull gonna, off a miracle. You're going to have to get a lot of Big 12 wins, yeah. tournament wins, if you want to get to the if you want to get to 19 wins, which I think – like 19 or 18 is probably the way you need to, to go in terms of getting into the NCAA tournament because I think this this team just relies way too much on, I mean, NCAA tournament or bust. Like, there's there's going to be no other way around it. Like, they won't – I don't think a lot of K-State fans, from what I've been seeing, they're not going to be satisfied with an NIT. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think at this point it's just tournament or bust. And that's, that's going to be really the telling – the telling from what this team is going to be uh, for the next few months to come. Yeah. I mean, I know this isn't an extremely fair comparison because Wichita State is a mid-major school, but, I mean, what, I think 2010, 2011, they made the NIT, they won, which is, and then, you know, the next few years they were, a, you know, not maybe not a dynasty, but considering they're mid, you know, they, they were a mid-major school, they were a mid-major powerhouse, they were a number one seed one year. You know, I mean, you could use an opportunity like that to build well, – off some momentum, play at Madison Square Garden for fun. And, well, you know. well, part of that is well, part of what's been frustrating for K State fans. It's not with how K State's record is right now is at twelve and eleven. It's because K State's had the worst three get three year losing stretch yeah. in school history. So 
I mean, there's there's a lot at stake uh, throughout these next few games. Uh, I mean, I'm probably going to go as far to even saying Coach Bruce Weber when it comes to the state of a program. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I kinda, I've kind of lost it. I'm, I, I'm kind of – for K-State fans, it's starting to kind of lose hope a little bit. Yeah. I mean, you can't continue these, oh, we K-State loses – uh, this big game, then they kind of, then they kind of stay out of focus on this one. Then yeah. they win these next two games. I mean, that that's just not going to get get you done, especially with this stretch coming up. Well, especially you know, but you know, but at least we were close. We were competitive. It's just not good enough anymore. When, like you mentioned, we're having a terrible three year stretch. I think you know, K State fans just expect more, and they should expect more out of this K State, this storied K State basketball program that's had a lot of success. Mm-hmm. You know, two big twelve championships in the last you know ten years. I mean, this is a team that's you know not just a football school. We we expect good basketball as well, and I think you know I think at the end of the season when we have the full full scope of things, we can really kind of go into what the future holds for this team and you know Coach Weber. So, I mean, I think that's a that's a, I think that's a good place to end it, John, for now. Yeah. So, all right, we can go ahead and take thirty seconds to hear from Tanner's. Then we'll get into some women's basketball and two top. Kansas recruits possibly teaming up at K-State. And we're back on the Shake and Blake show live on Wildcat 91.9. My name is Blake Crawford alongside me, John Grove. Now, before we talk about this women's basketball game, I do have to give a quick disclaimer. Um, if you're list- if you're a huge women's basketball fan and you have any children or young people in the area, I would recommend covering their ears. Viewer discretion viewer, is advised. Viewer discretion is definitely advised. I mean, this was... This I I don't know how ESPN still has this game archived in the replays. This was just like this is like I think I think uh, Jeff Mitty could sue Baylor for assault on this game. I mean I mean ninety five to fifty, John ninety five. I could I could read these stats forever. Oh, Baylor man. shot fifty seven percent from the field. They shot fifty eight percent from three. I mean they had two people and with over twenty points. They had two other people. Who had 19 points? So they almost had four people with 20 points. I mean, oh my lord, these stats are just insane. You could keep going. I mean, 40 points in the paint. They had 30 assists, John. 30 assists on 35 makes. Just absolutely absurd. And I mean, I bet you're wondering, like, like what went wrong? I don't know. Like everything, everything. Everything. I mean, turnovers galore. Baylor was just super duper 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 hot. Uh, crazy. I mean, well. Let's not for let's not uh, forget the fact that Baylor out rebounded the Cats forty three to twenty three. So that didn't help anything. K State was three for fourteen from three point range. Uh, the highest, but the person that led the team was Briley Glenn with ten points. Uh, Simone Goodridge added nine. Ayoka Lee had probably her worst performance of the year with eight. Uh, K State just shot thirty two point seven, eighteen of fifty five from the field. That's just not gonna get it done. Baylor featured four of its eight active players in double in double figures, and they were placed by Jordan Lewis with 24 points, while Nalissa Smith added 22. Queen Egbo finished with 19 points and 16 rebounds, and Sarah Andrews finished the night with 19 points. I mean, Baylor shot 57.4%. That's 35-61 uh, from the field, including 11-19 of 19 from the three-point line. So... I mean, I think you just kind of had to look at it. K-State's already had their road, road wounds at times. I think, you, uh, well, especially with the way K-State 
uh, played against Baylor last uh, previously uh, in January. I think that kind of left a bad taste in Baylor's mouth. I think they were going to be ready to go. So, yeah, I, I don't know. From I was not anticipating it to be that big of a blowout, but I can see like the writing was on the wall. I did. I didn't think it was going to be pretty for K State, but man, ninety-five to fifty. Like, oh man, yeah. that just that's nobody expected it to be that bad. That's even, even given the fact it's Baylor. You know, we don't play that well on the road. I mean, to get beat that bad, I mean, it's just it's just embarrassing. Uh, before I forget, I do want to mention um, Aoka Lee is up for the Lisa Leslie Award for Best Center. So if you go to the K-State Women's Basketball Twitter, they have a link for you to go vote. It's kind of just like, I believe it's just the top starting five for women's basketball in the entire country. They got to top ten. Aoka Lee is uh, up there for center. Uh, if you want to use my strategy for the other four, I just did other Big 12 players. I believe I had Jordan Smith of Baylor, Taylor Robinson of Oklahoma at shooting guard. I had Ashley Jones in there because, I mean, she crushed it when she played us. And yeah. then uh, Nelissa Smith, who, I mean, they mentioned on the broadcast, might be the number one overall pick in the WNBA draft. Um, if you didn't watch the game, which don't watch the game, um, Emily Ebert hits a three to start it out. We take a 3 nothing lead. Uh, we lead 5-4 to four a couple minutes in. Um, I, we don't really need to talk about the rest. Well, I think I, well you probably well, then need I, to, you, I, you need to address the fact with Serena. Sundell. Yeah, Serena Sundell goes down with it. Looks like an ankle injury midway through the first quarter, so that just makes things even worse. Yeah. Um, I believe. Well, I think you mentioned John Jeff Mitty said it's not. It, there's no broken bones or anything, so most likely just a sprain. They're gonna take a day by day. Okay. Just see how things go. That's from what I've heard yesterday. But her presence will definitely be missed. Most likely, will be out against KU on the road. That's really gonna Which, suck. But yeah, really, I mean, really bad. Especially considering K- Kansas has been real hot as of late. I mean, they've been they've been knocking off uh, teams here and there. I think they beat Oklahoma. I think a week back. I'm not 100% about that, but. I mean, nonetheless, K-State's going to have to be ready for, for part two of this rivalry. I think k well, I mean, you can throw off the stats and records aside because both teams, well, especially KU now that they lost for first round, they're going to be hungry for, for another one against the Wildcats. Yeah, especially on their home turf. I mean, it's especially going to help. I mean, kind of just touching on this Baylor game because we don't want, we could probably move on after this. We don't need to spend too much time on a 45-point loss. But, I mean, like when we say everything went wrong, like, everything, everything really went wrong. Yeah. Like, Aoka Lee gets two fouls early. She picks up her third, like, 20 seconds. Maybe not 20 seconds, but, like, midway through the second quarter. And then Jeff Mitty gets teed up right after that. I mean, uh, and then, what, the second and third quarters combined, K-State got outscored 60-24. to 24. I mean, and then obvi- I didn't even watch the fourth quarter because I just figured they threw in all the, um, all, like, all, everybody off the bench. So, I mean... Just you know, goldfish memory. Move on. Prepare for KU on Saturday. KU. I'm I'm looking at their schedule. They won the last four games uh, yeah. so far. It's not against the best Big Twelve competition. Uh, they did get a pretty big win. I mean, Morgantown is not an easy place to play at. I mean, just for the sakes of travel and they, West yeah. Virginia historically has been good, but KU starting to get hot at the right time. And I think when you have K State playing on the road, especially in Lawrence. I'm a little bit concerned about that. I mean, the road wounds, like, it's it's a Jekyll and Hyde type of situation with K-State women's basketball. Like, we see a different team at home. We see a different team on the road. I I am very I'm very concerned about what's about what's about a Saturday. Uh, I I think 
K-State might might be seeing KU at the wrong time. But. Yeah, I mean, 13-1 and one at home, 4-6 and six on the road. Yeah, I, I think you hit it there that it, it's not the best time to be playing KU on the road when you come off of a loss like that. It just depends on how this team responds. I mean, I think it's really going to be a test for this team to be able to show some maturity, bounce back from a huge loss like that, and come in with a chip on your shoulder. You, but, go ahead. Oh yeah. And then you're going to have to really get off a snide after KU because uh, – well, you got you're going to play Oklahoma State on a national broadcast game. You got Texas coming up. Texas team that just took K State uh, that also took K State out in Austin. Uh, you also go to Oklahoma. I mean, Oklahoma is going to see it as as seen Aoka Lee before. They're going to see her again. Oh, they'll have a game plan for Aoka Lee, I'm sure. Uh, we'll see. We'll see <laughs> what happens there. But uh, K State really needs to rack up some some wins, especially the ones that they have an opportunity to against these big teams at home in order to improve on K State's tournament status. I think Charlie Cream from ESPN Bracketology uh, dropped K State from a five to a six seed, putting us in the UConn region. So, I mean, when you're um, talking about UConn, that's gonna that's a whole different story. So, yeah, that's that's a whole different beast. I mean, you look at these last six games. I believe it is. Um, you know, I think, you know, I mentioned at KU, Oklahoma State at home, Texas at home, at Oklahoma, uh, West Virginia at home, at TCU. I mean, you're looking at maybe, I don't know, but four and two, like four and two would be really nice. I think that'd make us, what, 11 and seven in Big 12 play. I mean, that definitely. I think, you're, I think well, Oklahoma, I think Oklahoma State's going to be a win. I think West Virginia is as well. Both teams have, but well, West Virginia typically this is a down year for them. I just, I just don't know about the road games, man. I mean, K-State, you have to look all the way back to Lubbock when K-State got thumped by Texas Tech, 64-45. Yeah. to 45. I mean, they got thumped by Texas, 66-48. to 48. I'm in back on Wednesday night against Baylor. K-State just has to get more more weapons going, especially with the likes of Briley Glenn, Riley Glenn. Riley Glenn. Mm-hmm. Uh, man, that is just... Riley and Riley, potato, potato. Uh, I mean, you, I mean, you also got Emily Ebert as well. You got Serena Sandel, who's who's injured. So some some people are going to have to fill in the void for her for sure. So. Yeah, I mean, Ayoka Lee can't bring the ball up by herself and dribble into the paint and get herself posted up, right? You know, she needs guards to be able to feed her, and Serena Sandel was one of the best at doing that. Especially, so. especially when now the world's got Ayoka Lee on watch. Yeah. So. I mean that doesn't really help things out either. I mean, like it's like Deuce Vaughn at K State. When people take notice of you, they're gonna try and find every strategical way to, yeah, uh, to outcoach you. Yeah. Oh, I mean, we can go ahead and touch on the uh, Big Twelve standings for women's basketball. Then we can touch on some uh, K State football recruiting. Um, I mean, you have Oklahoma and Iowa State at the top, tied at nine and two. K State's currently fifth. And uh, KU's actually a half game ahead of K State at seven and four. K uh, K State seven and five in conference play. So this is a really huge game. And then we mentioned Texas coming up. They're six and five, right behind, right on K State's tail as well. So you really got to stay on top and win the games you're supposed to win in this conference, or else I mean, you could you you could be playing a play-in game. I mean, who knows? Playing in a play-in game in the Big Twelve tournament, whether it's a. Seventh seed, I think the seventh plays for ten in the tournament. Yeah. So, by no means is is the season over today. I mean, K State's got to finish through the schedule, and they got to have a clear mind of kind of like what they're doing at best. Yeah, 
you have anything else on women's have, basketball? They can have this constant road fatigue that I that that um that's been really been ticking them out uh, throughout these last few games. Yeah. You have any other thoughts before we hit on um, some K State recruiting stuff? No, I think I'm gonna have to get a little personal with this recruiting stuff. Okay. As a born, as a can, well, two fellow two Kansans, Kansans born failures. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So. Okay. Well, um, if you missed it on Twitter, um, Dylan Edwards posted a like a photo shoot he did during his visit with uh, an EMA, and then I believe later on was Dylan Edwards the one who said, uh, like tag, like you want to team up at a uh, at you know play together in college. Yeah. Exactly. There you well. Go. Here's the thing. You've got Avery Johnson, who's, re- who's really leaning towards Arkansas right now. That's mm-hmm. that's pretty much for leaning school, and Arkansas has been really going at him hard. And then Dylan, Dylan Edwards has been looked at pretty pretty deep as well with Oklahoma. So, But none of those guys were, were uh, connected by the other two schools um, in which – like because Edwards didn't get heavily looked at by Arkansas, vice versa with Avery Johnson in Oklahoma. Yeah, I mean, if you, I think K State's probably the only option when it comes to like teaming up with each other, uh, because I because that's the only school I can think of in mind when you got when you got Edwards and Avery Johnson teaming up. Yeah, I mean uh, Dylan Edwards, so he's got like twenty offers or something. And, I mean, it seems like, based on an interview he did with uh, Kellis Robinette for the Wichita Eagle and the Kansas City Star, um, it seems like Jackson State, KU, K-State, and Oklahoma are pretty much his top schools. Um, he mentions kind of the pros of each. Um, it seems like he has a really good relationship with K-State. Obviously, his dad uh, played running back at K-State under uh, Bill Snyder, so he's got a connection to K-State, which really helps. Uh, according to Derek Young at KSO, I think he asked other people what they thought Dylan Edwards would do, and they think he's leaning towards K-State. But, I mean, when you're competing against Oklahoma for a recruit for a guy like Dylan Edwards, it's 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 scary to be on this side of it. Well, let's give credit to K-State on Twitter, too. When, yeah. he, when, he, when he posted that, I mean, there was a lot of lot of replies flowing from the fans in purple. I mean, all I, all I've looked at were just a lot of tweets, yeah. a lot of gifs. Uh, I mean, this this could be the one. And and um, from what I'm reading from Colin Settle, our, our great friend Colin Settle, who works, I think I think he used to he worked used to he graduated last semester, graduated. but he had he had a show last uh, last semester as well. Great guy. Yeah, did I a mean, lot of great stuff. He, he's he's put out this tweet, and I think I think it pretty much sums up uh, everybody's perspective. I mean, there is not a fan base more passionate than K State has for Dylan for Dylan Edwards and Avery Johnson. I mean, you, you look at some of these. Uh, you look at some of these options. I mean, Dylan Avery and uh, <laughs> Dylan Edwards and Avery Johnson. Uh, they uh, weren't. They weren't being. Like they they were very strongly considering Arkansas and Oklahoma, but they but the fan bases from those schools they aren't like they're gonna just take it as a normal recruit. Yeah, how hard is it for a school like K State or KU to try to get these players in state? Yeah, I mean that that's been that's been forever a, a head scratching problem that that K State or KU just can cannot connect. And I mean K State has a really strong opportunity and. Considering, like, okay, I I'm gonna start with the NIL stuff. Like, okay, I mean, I've I've heard this a lot. Okay, you cannot pay players in Manhattan. I mean, I don't know how. 
you can't tell me there's a, pe- a lot of people outside of Manhattan from likes of Salina or even Wichita that, yeah. that go after these guys in a heartbeat. Yeah. It, I think it'd be a great way to represent the state of Kansas, uh, really just represent yeah. the state. I mean, it's like, you know, you could do the, the Nigel Pack and the Skylar Thompson route and just, you know, sell your own merch, you know. I mean, it's totally it's totally something possible. I mean, if you don't know, Dylan Edwards, according to 24-7, is the number four recruit, I believe, in the state of Kansas. Avery Johnson's number one, according to their rankings. Oh, yeah. And then, you know, we mentioned, I believe, last week, they already got uh, Camden Beebe, who's the number five in uh, composite rankings, number 10 in their personal rankings. So, I mean, this is a deep uh, Kansas recruiting class of 2023 with guys like John Randall as well on top of there. So, I mean, you can't let these guys leave Kansas. Guys that are this high quality. I mean, additionally, just from a pure football perspective, I think our staff will develop him and just give him the best chance to succeed as good as anybody. I mean, you got a coach who's who's known a thing or two about winning championships. I know they're at North Dakota State, but still. you got Colin Klein, who's not only been in the shoes as a quarterback, he led the team and won a Big 12 title. Yeah. I mean, the writing is on the wall. And, and you also got to include his, his coaching performance against LSU as well. I mean, that's that's going to – he's, he's going to go a long way. And in terms of how the recruiting standpoint's going, I think K-State's really digging in deep, uh, trying to go after a lot more of these recruits uh, than, than what we kind of had with Bill Snyder. Like, we kind of got those – players back in back then where it just wasn't fully like the top players in the state but now chris kleiman is starting to really go after these guys and i have nothing but the utmost respect for that yeah i mean if we could roll the momentum of getting a guy like jake rubley a four-star who had offers from texas a&m oregon lsu and to get a guy like avery johnson or dylan edwards some really top quality guys that are in your own territory i think that's super important especially going forward for other recruits in future classes and then you also got the like and then you also got brandon jennings as well who, who a lot of schools were looking at as well and K-State beat, K-State beat a lot of schools such as Michigan and USC to land him. So uh, if K-State's able to land him, that'd be, I mean, that'd just be music to my ears. Manhattan would just throw a parade down oh, at you. I would scream. I mean, that would be so awesome. But that is going to wrap it up for our show. John, who you have in the Super Bowl? Rams, they got the defense. Bengals, they got Joe Burrow. But I think for Rams defense, you know what? I think I think that's a fair pick. Well, thank you so much for listening to the Shake and Blake Show. My name has been Blake Crawford alongside John Grove. Make sure to check us out on Spotify at The Shake and Blake. Make sure to take our quizzes on Sporkle. Follow us on social media. Check us out on Spotify and Cats by 90. Cats by 90.